District Divided, a DC sports podcast, more specifically a Washington Commanders podcast. We have two games left, and this is the Cleveland Browns preview, one of two remaining home games. So the last two games of the season at FedEx Field, we are still the number seven seed. We win both. We're in. It is that simple. K-Dot, how are you doing? I've been better, feeling a little under the weather, like uh, Chase Young. But um, I, I, I'm I here to bring my A game. Hopefully not too angry and yelling like previous episodes. Keep it, <laughs> keep it pretty chill and get up out of here. Well, but, I, um, think, I think I'm bringing the best out of you in those situations. Sort of my thought on that. Yeah, as long as I don't end up in a hospital or a doctor's office again with heart palpitations, we're good. Because of the Taylor side? Anyway, we, we won't yeah, even... I'm blaming you. <laughs> <laughs> as you can see, we have tremendous chemistry here on this podcast. Um, so again, we're talking about the Cleveland Browns that come to town Sunday, 1 p.m. at FedEx Field to take on our Washington Commanders. Carson Wentz will be under center. Uh, Ron Rivera named him the starter. So we get into that later on, but we're going to begin by talking about the Browns offense against our Commanders defense. We will then talk about Carson Wentz and the Commanders offense against the Browns defense. We conclude with our predictions. We have the comment mailbag, uh, and then we'll get into after the pod, depending on how KDOT's feeling over here. And my voice has also been going up and down. I think everyone's going through something right now. Um, but let's go ahead and begin with the Cleveland Browns offense. This time, they have Deshaun Watson. The last four games, the big trade they made was with the Houston Texans to bring in Deshaun Watson. Now, he was suspended for a number of games, and in the last four games, he has been playing. And honestly, KDOT, he has not been playing well. I mean, he has a lot of rust that he's going through right now. He is developing chemistry with his wide receivers. We've seen a number of quarterbacks that have switched teams via trade that have struggled. Russell Wilson's another one, for example. Um, so let's talk about this Browns offense, who, again, not good. They were better with Jacoby Brissett, but Deshaun represents a level of talent that is unbelievable when it's clicking. What are your thoughts on the Browns offense here, KDOT? Yeah, I mean, it's a tale of the Deshaun Watson uh, experience right now, right? So, like, uh, they looked like they were, they they knew who they were with Jacoby Brissett and was what it was, but we all know they paid as much as they did for Deshaun Watson. They're going to have to get him in there at some point. He hasn't played in forever, so they got to get him his reps. Right now, it almost feels as though the Cleveland Browns are kind of in a preseason mode with just seeing where Deshaun is and trying to get him up to speed with the rest of the offense. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, they can go in the next year with a full off season of him being able to be a full participant, all that. And it, it, him at least acknowledging or knowing this game speed right now. And the thing is you could, you could clearly see that in the four starts, right? Like it seemed as though every week he was getting slightly better. Like if you look at his quarterback rating, um, when he starts off and his quarterback rating is, uh, oh, is 53.4 against uh, the Houston Texans. Then mm -hmm. against the Cincinnati Bengals, he gets to 79.1. Then the Baltimore Ravens, he gets to 91.5. And then last game against New Orleans, it fucking bottoms out to 47.1. And it's like, okay, yeah, you're clearly not ready. Now, I have my own prediction about Deshaun Watson. I don't think he'll ever be what he was. Also, I am actively rooting against the Cleveland Browns because I think it was a bullshit thing what they did as far as the trade and hiding the money and all the stuff because of all the allegations. So, Cleveland Browns, while I felt sorry for you guys for years as far as being like that forgotten team, and I live in Baltimore, and knowing that your team moved to Baltimore and won championships has got to mm -hmm. be a hard thing to swallow. But after Deshaun Watson thing, you're the villains now. So fuck off. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's the tale of Deshaun as far as more than anything on that offense. They're trying to get him up to speed. But there's one star that they really do have on that offense, and it's Nick Chubb. And their offense and everything that that happens within them goes as Nick Chubb goes, really. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, as far as anything that Washington can hang their hats on for majority of the year, we can usually stop your running backs. Correct. Um, and so on the subject of <laughs> Nick Chubb, since Deshaun Watson has started, he has not scored 
and he has not run over 100 yards. So when you put those two things together, this offense is anemic. This offense is putrid. This offense is not going. They have talent, certainly. Deshaun, very talented. Nick Chubb, incredibly talented. Uh, there are three main receiving threats. Amari Cooper, who we are very familiar with, with his time yep. with the Dallas Cowboys, so we obviously need to be able to stop him. Their more efficient receiver with Deshaun Watson has been Donovan Peoples-Jones, who we will need to look to slow down as well. And then David Njoku, after their second game with Watson under center, started showing some flashes. So those are the three receiving threats that we need to look out for. That being said, if Cam Curl is able to play, it sounds like St. Juice won't, did not practice Thursday. Uh, But if Cam Curl can play and help us out, I don't see this Cleveland Browns offense getting right on the road against our defense after the way Chase Young played, after the way that Jamin Davis has continued to progress and the way that the secondary overall with Cam Curl there, again, big caveat there, plays. So... I am not, call me crazy, I'm not scared of this team, despite all the talent that they have on offense. What What is your perception there? Are you worried about this? Are you worried they can suddenly explode on us? Or what do you think? I'm worried about this because in one sense, I look at this as a playoff game and we, we finally have now hit the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. The la- we are, we're 0-2-1 in our last three games um, where we were in a position to give ourselves cushion So that we weren't in a situation where it's a win or lose and you're out sort of ordeal. So that to me gives me a little bit of pause. Now I get San Francisco 49ers, the Giants twice. It's a different ball game compared to the Cleveland Browns. But what I've seen historically from a Washington commanders team is playing down to certain teams or playing up sometimes. Mm -hmm. This to me feels like one of those games in which you just can't overlook them. They do have talent. Deshaun Watson, if he decides that this is the week that he miraculously becomes the guy that he knew he was in Houston, you can't overlook them, right? Um, Now, you're right. As far as defense, St. Juice has been a guy that we've kind of counted on, especially after Wilton Jackson has left, to be an extremely key cog on that defense. But as you said, the more important guy on the defense has been Cam Curl. The point totals allowed when Cam Curl's not playing 37, 36, 24, 22. We, we, we give up a hell of a lot more points when Cam Curl's not in the game. And I, 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 I think it was Ron Rivera who said that Cam Curl is more like an air traffic controller mm-hmm. than anything when it comes to that yes. defense. He that puts he everybody said. in the right positions on the defense. And that's where you see more than anything. When, you, when those kill catches uh, in that San Francisco game and you see it look like guys are out of position or you see uh, David Mayo running 10 yards behind the tight end because he's not – as deep as he needs to be or not in the right spot. And Cam Curl seems to be the guy that can point out, hey, you need to be there. You need to be there. You need to be there to set them up for the best possible situations. Um, it's it's on defense. It's fundamental football. It's, it's what we know that we've been good at. It's excelling at it. Against the run, it's going to be very, very important as far as Nick Chubb. You're right. He hasn't crashed on a yard mark. But he got 92 yards last week, I think 99 the week before. So he's right there on the cusp. The average has not been great, but they haven't been able to throw the ball down the field all that often because Deshaun Watson hasn't been able to play that great. So what you don't want to do is stack that box against the run, and then uh, we don't have the defensive backs in position, so we're getting burnt over the top. This definitely feels like one of those games where, like you saw that uh, – I forget the raw receiver for uh, for San Francisco that scored that long uh, – that, that long – uh, Raven McLeod, this definitely feels like one of those games where if you're not in your P's and Q's, they will be able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it feels as though it might be one of those things where they might slash it for one of those big plays. And then that goes into how many points do you have on offense to make sure that anything that happens as far as if they have that spark or that big play, that there's that margin of error in which we're, we've cleared it. Yeah. Fair enough. And, and on that subject of Cam Curl, that's why he made my yacht bitch all 22. Um, any final thoughts on the Browns offense? I am going, I'm taking away that I am not nervous about these guys because Deshaun has looked very rusty. Yes, his pass rating has gone up a little bit. His QBR on the season so far early. Now, this is the, there's pass rating, which KDOT was mentioning, and there's QBR, which is that yep. zero through 100 number that ESPN puts out 37.7. Zach Wilson's below it. Russell Wilson's below it. Davis Mills is below it. Mac Jones is below it. Baker Mayfield's below it. 
this is not a shot, I promise. Carson Wentz is also below it, but we will we will get to him in a moment because he has had the time to mentally freshen up. He looked good in relief. Like we'll talk about that in a moment. Any final thoughts on the Browns' offense? I'm not nervous about them. Maybe I yeah, should be, I, but I'm not. I I would just say when it comes to playoff football, you should be nervous about everybody, and mm-hmm. um, that's where it comes out of me. It is playoff football now. They have to play all out. Um, I I. I'm setting my expectations as low as they possibly can be so they could show me something. Cause mm-hmm. right now we're in a position where, and I, maybe we'll talk about this more big picture when it comes to this game, but Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, the coaching staff, everything you've got two games at home. When in your end, there's no excuses, mm-hmm. no excuses whatsoever, especially because if Philly ends up beating new Orleans this week, they wrap up the one seed and you play a Dallas Cowboys team that is locked in to the five seed, and they really have nothing to play for. If so we lose, you get, you get that opportunity, assuming yep. you beat the Browns for a win and in game against a largely backup Dallas Cowboys squad. Yep. This is a must win. And the defense needs to play some of the best football they played this year to really make that mark and get that energy level going as we are continuing through our playoff run. And Deshaun Watson has been sacked, I think, six or seven times in those four games so far. You can get to him a little bit. He does run. We talked about mobile QBs. Yeah, sorry. That was the one thing I didn't want to mention is that Deshaun Watson, uh, he had a rushing touchdown, I think, last week. But yeah, he never I don't think he's gone past 40 yards, but it's very it's very akin to Daniel Jones's running. Mm -hmm. If things do break down, he can take off. He is sneakily faster than you think he is. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do it too often. But when he does, he'll make you pay, especially in the red zone. Correct. Yep. No, good observation there. Um, all right. Let's talk about the offense. Um, and once again, Carson Wentz, after significant time off uh, with injury, has been reinstalled as the starting QB. That honestly, because of how poor the Browns offense is, in my opinion, isn't even my focus here, KDOT. It is the Cleveland Browns giving up around five yards a carry. And so to me, that signals, Scott Turner, please don't overthink this. Run, run, run. It makes Carson's job a heck of a lot easier. That QBR that I mentioned being 32 instead of, you know, Deshaun's 37.7 and he's playing badly. Easy opportunity for this to come up. These can be a set of easy throws. This could be a set of getting it to your playmakers early. You don't even necessarily need to take deep shots downfield because the Browns defense is actually decent except for stopping the run. K-Dot, what are your thoughts over here? Yeah, that's the big thing, right? Is uh, Scott Turner being too excited that his toy is back and he wants to show that what the toy can do. Mm-hmm. Um, look, there's a lot... <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. There's a lot of people right now, especially looking at it from a Carson Wentz standpoint, that this is Wentz's opportunity to earn his contract option next year. This is the coaching staff's opportunity to show that Wentz was the right decision These are all these things you can look towards in which everybody's trying to show this or show that. Bottom line, the Cleveland Browns can be ran on, and the key cog to the game needs to be the running game, especially Brian Robinson. The -hmm. last week game against San Francisco. San Francisco's defense is world-beating. They Against the run, against everything, they are the shit. We knew we were going to struggle against the run against San Francisco. We knew the only way in order to really be in the conversation against that, while you still had to maintain the run, was to throw the ball down the field. That's the only real shot you have against San Francisco. But if you look beyond before that San Francisco game against New York, he was averaging over seven yards a carry. We just decided not to do it. And then uh, the other uh, the other game against San Francisco, he was damn near at five yards a carry when he got to the 96 yard mark. And then before that, he cracked the 100 yard mark when he was at 5.8 yards a carry. We need to continue that trend against a team that can absolutely be ran on. You look at the Cleveland Browns uh, rushing numbers that they've given up on defense. The last games, 152, 198, 136. This is a team in which you need to run the damn ball on. That is what that is the thing that we have to do to win this game. It should be convincingly through running the ball. It should be something that we can't necessarily get away from. Now, while I do want us to take our shots when they are when they are present, they need to be Scott Turner needs to make the running attack build so that we can then throw the ball down the field. Correct. It should it should not be the afterthought. 
Yeah. Let the run establish everything else you're doing on offense. Everything's connected, right? If you run well, it opens up the pass. It makes it a lot easier. And that's what we talk about. This is Carson's first game back. We have the Wentz camp. We have the Heineke camp. And I think most of us are in the camp of we just want to win the fucking game. And for that to happen, it makes it a lot easier for a guy who, yes, it was relief. Uh, and 12 of 16, I think it was 132 yards. touchdown. That's great. Um, San Francisco was playing prevent and the game was over. They didn't really care. So right, I really want to push back on that a little bit. Sure. I did. I did finally get to watch the all 22. Okay. Um, the first two drives that Carson has, they're blitzing every fucking down. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the, the shovel pass that he had to Williams, everything, yeah. they were still playing man defense and they were blitzing the shit out of Carson, um, which is where I give Carson credit that he looked better than he did when we last saw him under mm-hmm. that pressure as far as not stepping up in the pocket, potentially going too far back and not making the decisions that he needed to make, right? Um, where he would hold on the ball too goddamn long, and at that point, everything's over. It is what it is. You saw a lot of the 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 dunking that you saw, the dunking and dinking that you saw, yeah. was not necessarily because of the prevent defense. It was because the pass rush had gotten there, and the Carson of old would have taken the sack. The Carson we saw in relief time there in San Francisco got yeah. rid of the ball immediately. I will say that, um, and this isn't the point of this. Uh, yes, yeah, San Francisco did blitz, and you you remember that flip to Jonathan yeah. Williams, which was a very great heads up play. Uh, it's nice to know both our QBs do things like that, and it works. Um, yeah. I will say this: there is a certain excited energy, a certain freshness that he has that would have naturally came out. And I imagine that it would have been, Hey, get yourself in a rhythm. This is your first game in weeks. You know, let's get yourself in a rhythm. That being said, he played well uh, against the blitz. Then when they did prevent as well, he did play well, but now he's at home. There are a lot of people that don't necessarily believe in him. This is important. And for a guy that has been labeled mentally fragile by folks, this is particularly important. How do you help him? This is running. Okay, so so that's sort of the point we're making here, because, again, I'll say it over and over again. Physically, he's unbelievable. Right. Six, five, two thirty seven. You name it. Like the, the year he had in Philadelphia was ridiculous. Yes, it was a while ago, but it's because physically he's built like a fucking monster. So it's mental and make sure that you help him out as much as possible so that when he's you're helping him mentally. You're helping the whole team out, man, with right. this guy, QB. So incredibly important. Um, if you were to do sort of like a, you have to seesaw, scale it, um, run, pass. I would personally go like 65, 35, sort of what we did against San Francisco. I really liked Robinson gets the ball a lot. Taylor only threw it 17, 18 times. Right. I mean, I like that. I think that will help Carson a lot. And then you can begin to open it up more next week against Dallas as he gets in a groove. That's my thought. I'm more probably 60-40 as far okay. as a split. Uh, but it's I think still they, run primarily. Run has to be the primary. But because okay. um, last time that we the last few times that we saw Carson Wentz back there, they had him drop back 40-something times a game. That's not something that you can do right now with the way the offense itself is working, right? Now, the thing is that if you, even if you look at the San Francisco game, Washington was graded, I think, like uh, – top three last in both run blocking and pass blocking last week. Once again, mm-hmm. the opponent crazy. They have a lot to do with that. But um, <clears throat> I think the things that you see on offense as far as Carson is when we talk about having Carson Wentz in their quarterback, it's supposed to um, widen that margin of error. Right. And when it comes to widen that margin of error is that when you do take the shots, hitting those guys in stride, it's not me saying that you can't take shots. You need to. If you have a guy with the army, you have the skills position players that you have, you have to take the shots. The only thing is that making sure Carson being smart with the football, like I saw in that San Francisco game when they're blitzing, instead of throwing the ball up for no goddamn reason or taking the sack for no damn reason, if this is the time that you're supposed to take a shot and it doesn't look like it's there, take the take the one that's there. Take the fucking option that's there, that's open immediately. Take it. Now, are you I saying still, take the shot or are you saying take the check down? No, take take what's take what's available, especially okay, if you're the running game. It, okay. yeah, take the check down because that's something that Carson wasn't doing. He was he was holding on the fall, ball for too goddamn long. There'd be to somebody open the, the shot flat, to open up. Wait okay, for the chat to open up. And okay. he didn't feel comfortable enough to take in the shot. Now, look, if you see single high safety man on fucking um, on, on Terry McLaurin and or it Jahan looks like at he, this point or Jahan and it looks like it got him beat at the line. 
that read, Carson, is take the shot. That's that's beneficial for you to take that shot. And that's what you got to do is, is he's got to be confident in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. Of, hey, I got playmakers. As long as I deliver the ball where the defense can't get to it, my yeah. guy can get there. I think it's going to be very trendy to continue talking about Carson. But one other thing I wanted to note is that you don't want your toy to break. Uh, there's a guy named Miles Garrett on the defensive oh, yeah. line that you really need to look out for. Now, this offensive line quite notably cannot block. Um, I don't think that's suddenly going to change this week. But what does help, again, running not only helps you with time of possession, not only helps you open up the pass, it also slows down a pass rush. There are any number of things that I just, I pray Scott Turner watches this once in a while. Like, just to be like, dude, look at all the benefits. It's like, it almost feels like, I'm like, you know, if you eat your vegetables, the following good things happen for you. Please do it once. Like, just keep running. He's done a good job of it. I think it was a good game plan last week. Honestly, fair play to him. I have been very critical of him. Um, I need to see it again, like you said, in a big spot. At halftime, like we understand. were right in that, man. And then we the, were the right in there. Game. I mean, we the tweets right from the district divided account that I was putting out was you have every reason to believe we're in this game. Like, Absolutely. you know, Taylor, from a statistical perspective, putting up his numbers and being fairly efficient. And then Brian Robinson, yes, he's getting stuffed, but it is opening things up, right? So, and it's slowing down that pass rush. The 49ers also had a really, really good one. Bosa still got there twice. So um, let's move you, on. If yeah, I could, what, yeah, uh, so Washington Post article. And what I was saying as far as the pass rush and the run blocking, mm-hmm. we got ranked dead last last week as far as in both of those categories. Uh, the other last, big okay. thing, it was dead last. The other big thing, and I'm just going to read this quote from the Washington Post article as far as um uh, the, the post game. In Washington's 37-20 loss to the 49ers, the line was flagged for three of the team's six penalties. A holding penalty on Leno negated an 11-yard run by Brian Robinson Jr. in the first quarter. Another mm-hmm. holding penalty by on Schweitzer in the second quarter raced a 39-yard catch by Jahan Dotson. And later that quarter, a false start penalty on Turner turned a third and one just outside the red zone into a third and five. The commanders did finish that drive with a touchdown. But the big thing for me, the thing that I think doesn't get talked about enough is the offensive line or the team overall shooting themselves in the foot. As we've talked about, the margin of error being so fucking small as far as the way that we play yeah. possession football and do the defense, you can't let that happen. You Those know, penalties will be the great fucking equalizer against a team that we should be. You know what you just uh, sort of sparked in my mind is I wish there was a yards lost stat. Hmm on penalties, right? Just how costly was that penalty? For example, you mentioned 39 yards, 11 yards when the average was about two on the ground. Like right. how costly those sound like very, very costly penalties to me. Third and one They're or third and six all of a sudden. So yeah, we need to make like sure. the, the Robinson, the penalty on the Robinson run that stops everything in the tracks. Yeah. Now you're behind the eight ball. You can't run the same way because that's first 20. Like what, what are you going to do that? Oh, well, let's be real. Third and one, we're probably running it with Gibby, uh, who, by the way, has not practiced. He may miss the game. Uh, and then we QB sneak with Taylor and it doesn't work anyway. So maybe the false start was for the best. Um, let's go ahead and touch on predictions. So the over-under is at 40 and a half. The commanders at home are favored by one and a half points. Dot, as always, I need a score. I need a winner. I need a player of the game. I'm going to go 2010 commanders win. You got to be shitting um, me. That's the exact same score I have. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. 2010 commanders win. Uh, player of the game is Brian Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, I, I do. I am of the belief that Carson Wentz does open up the offense a bit. Okay. Um, I, I'm hopeful that he does push the ball down the field. And the, the big thing for me is converting in the red zone. I mm-hmm. think we take steps towards doing that, but it doesn't look perfect. Um, I think it's a step in the right direction, but it's not the game that I'd like to see from Carson where he's people are wondering whether he's a starter next year. I don't think we're going to get that level of Carson Wentz performance, but I think it'll be more than enough to get the victory and to continue on potentially our playoff run. I'll end up going 2013 just because just to make it a little different um, because those were the two scores I was wrestling between, but I've also got the commanders, the implied total that uh, FanDuel, that's, that's where we're getting our odds are. Uh, from the implied total for the Browns is 19 and a half. The offense for them has not put up more than 13 points in four games with Deshaun. Vegas is definitely, they're basically asking them to put up more points than they have so far yet with Deshaun. I don't see it, uh, which is why I'm capping it at 13. Brian Robinson's also my player of the game. I don't give a shit how Carson does. 
so long as he manages. Like him being a game manager this week, if that's what it calls for to win, do it. And if he does really well, I'll give him his flowers for it. He just needs to make sure he doesn't lose it for us. Um, similar to a request I had for Taylor. Um, and that's what we need from this position because the roster is very good overall. And so I can see him opening it up to your uh, point there, KDOT. And um, I'll also give a little, um, I, I won't say player of the game, but maybe coach of the game to Scott Turner for not fucking this up. Because if he just starts throwing 40 times a game and we lose, I will honestly be met, less mad at Carson Wentz and much more mad at Scott Turner. 100%. Okay. Um, and I, you guys know, I like Taylor over Carson for this team specifically. I would still get more angry with Scott Turner screwing this up. This to me seems clear as day. I view the Cleveland Browns as uh, these this monstrous team on paper. Uh, but in reality, they're not that good. That's just how I view it. Um, let's move on to the comment mailbag where we got five comments, KDOT. Um, beginning with VA Money Group. Shout out VA Money Group, who regularly comments. I get KDOT, but bring in a better QB. Do not trash the best QB that we have had. Heineke is mid, but what is Wentz? The stars have to align for Wentz to play well. What are your thoughts there, KDOT? I'm, I'm never attacked Taylor Heineke. I've attacked the Heineke Hive but I've never attacked Heineke. I love Taylor Heineke. I think he's been an amazing thing as far as a light in a really dark history of this franchise. Somebody that we could root for universally as a guy who put it all out on the line every time that he went out and played. I never thought there's never been a, a single iota of me that doesn't think Taylor Heineke gives everything he has every week, game in, game out, every fucking play. That being said, I think that there's a limit. There's a cap. There's a ceiling that we have seen from Taylor Heineke. There are some stats that are extremely worrying when it comes to Taylor Heineke. And I feel as though that we keep reaching this plateau as far as where it is that he does best. But the, 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 the thing is that as much as I love him, he's clearly not enough. He's just not enough. And I agree with you. You need to bring in a franchise quarterback. I'm not of the idea that Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback yet. I'm just of the idea that I haven't seen enough to see what it is that he can actually bring to this team with the rest of the team working better than they did when he was last starting and with him learning more of this offense that he did not know that Taylor Heineke does know and has known for years. So in that case, uh, based on what you just said, I'm going to read this next comment out of order. Typically I go, uh, you know, oldest to newest. Uh, Mark Stevenson, shout out Mark Stevenson, appreciate it, uh, writes, let's get real. Taylor has shown his ceiling and ability long before this game. So why is everyone so astonished of his performance? I hope everyone is not getting too happy with Carson Wentz starting now because we have also seen his ceiling. It is possible he could win the last two games in the season. But let's get real again. It is not all Taylor's fault how they lost this game. I've seen many QBs who are future Hall of Famers who have played even far worse than that. So let's not put all of the blame on Taylor. Don't forget the 49ers are one of the best teams, if not the best team in the entire NFL right now. How many other teams would have won that game? And that's a fair point. These guys are on fire for the 49ers. Um, and we even mentioned it last week that games are close at halftime. And because they have fantastic coaches, they pull away in every second half they've seen since the McCaffrey trade, except for the Kansas City Chiefs, where they are going against the best quarterback in the NFL and Patrick Mahomes. Um, what are your thoughts on that comment there, K Dot? Uh, going into the San Francisco game, my prediction was we were going to lose by two touchdowns. So nothing <laughs> necessarily surprised me there. Um, <clears throat> the only thing I give any pushback to is I understand the thought process between of, of people saying that we've seen the ceiling from Carson Wentz. I the only thing that I will always push back towards is that. I saw him last play when the rest of the team was not playing anywhere near the caliber of level that they're playing right now. Now, here's the thing. The team overall is not playing great. I mean, we talk about the offensive line play, who I give more, uh, who I who I blame more in that loss against San Francisco than I blame Taylor Heineke. I blame a lot of things more than I blame Taylor Heineke in the sense of that sack that he took on the fumble. There's barely anybody that doesn't have a fumble happen in that sort of sack situation, right? I get mm -hmm. it. And the interception on well, that one was pretty bad. The uh, That one was bad. Yeah. That was bad. But it's it's one of those things where what I have to do is what I have to look at as far as what people were criticizing Carson Wentz for last year with the collapse of the Colts when it came down to them being in playoff time. 
I think everybody should pretty much look and see where the Colts have ended up this year and know that it was not completely on him. But then also when he did get a lot of the flack was when they collapsed at the end of the season. Taylor Heineke, and one of the reasons we continue with Taylor Heineke is he was winning games. We are 0-2-1 in the last three games. All of those games were positions to put us in a place where we could have a cushion going into the playoffs. If the results, as far as the win and loss record, is not there, then I've seen everything I need to see of Taylor Heineke, and I just want to see what another guy can do. That's it. Fair enough. Um, and let's move on to blood clot because you mentioned the offensive line. Um, if he and shout out blood clot, appreciate the comments as always. If he's called Riverboat Ron, then he's the cooler. He is not someone that should be gambling. Do not go to Vegas with Ron. But KDOT is right. Chase Ruye's injury was the key to the demise of our O-line. Not just because he's a great blocker, snapper, and signal caller, but because of injuries, our entire O-line had to play musical chairs. I mean, you think about the number of centers that we've had. Blood clots 100% right. I think that seriously messed up any type of cohesiveness we've had. Maybe that's why our plays are so limited, because our tight ends need to block our weak-ass line. I mean, hard not to disagree with that. Uh, or I'm sorry. Hard to disagree with that uh, because the O-line has been really bad. The Titans have been trying to help and they've not been very good at helping at the same time. It's just been it's been a really frustrating uh, set of weeks here with this offensive line. I need you to watch the all 22. Yeah, like I, I the. Blood clot, you're 100 percent right. The amount of jumbo packages that they run in Washington because the offensive line is not doing what it needs to do. But even within that. The fact is, is that most of our tight ends, it is abysmal what they're doing as far as in the back. They're not getting hands on some of these guys that are coming around. Logan Thomas in that San Francisco game looked like absolute dog shit. And I like Logan Thomas, but there's no getting around it. Now, there should never be a situation where you're one-on-one on Nick Bosa. But goddamn, son, <laughs> dude, get in the way. <laughs> like, you can't. Yeah, something. Get in, don't fucking matador. Here you go. Like, get out of usher. <laughs> You're a fucking football player. Get yeah. in the fucking way. You can just go dead arm, just fucking waggle like a fish, and at least have to move you. You're not offering any resistance whatsoever, and it's rough. But yeah. uh, but what he said overall, yeah, the offensive line, the configuration of the offensive line. I think when when uh, in that Chicago game, when uh, Carson had to come out, I think at that point in the season, there were already six different config- re- configurations of the offensive line. Up to that point. It's insane. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. So, like, <clears throat> one thing with the offensive line is that you need some sort of – you need stability. But, yeah, Trace Rier going out, best guy on the offensive line, probably by far, um, is going to hurt you, especially when you usually need the guy that's going to be the leader there kind of making sure that everybody's working as a unit. And that's the thing. The guy who's probably our leader on that offensive line is Charles Leno. Once again, we've said – Amazing dude. He has not looked good on that football field this year. He has not. Uh, one more comment about the offensive line. This is John Caruso, composer. Shout out, John Caruso, composer. Appreciate the comment here. For 30 years, I've been waiting for this team to build a solid offensive line, and it is the main reason they have been a Super Bowl contender. That and a lack of a franchise quarterback, of course. How have they not been able to build an offensive line for three decades? Um, and I think we... There were probably a couple moments within the 30 years where we had a decent offensive line. And in fact, uh, even the last couple of years, uh, we had good offensive line play overall. But to his point, top six, the consistency overall, right? To have an O-line you can rely on many years in a row. And you just know, I don't need to worry about them. I, we haven't yeah. had that in ages. Um, it's depth. Yeah. That's the thing is that right now, any time that we've had an offensive line that's worth their grain of sand, you look at 05, you look at the run in 07, you look at the <coughs> 2020 run. Just coughing up a storm here. Yeah, right. go ahead. <laughs> you look at the 2020 run with uh with, when Heineke came in at the end of the season, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. the, the offensive line was playing, I think they were ranked by PFF is a top six, top five, top six offensive line. The problem in Washington is there's a severe lack of depth at the position, at all the positions on the offensive line. You mm-hmm. have studs there. Brandon Sheriff, how many times has he made All-Pro? Trent Williams, going into the Hall of Fame, first ballot. We've had amazing guys come through here on the line. Chase Rie looks great when he gets the opportunities, right? But when one of two of those guys go down, it's this cascading effect, and it's not next guy up. It's, holy shit, we can't stop anything. 
Yeah. And that's been and that's the thing that we me and you have talked about ad nauseum. I squarely look in this iteration of the offensive line. Ron Rivera, the front office, it's on you. You know what? And this smoothly transitions to this final question, which I think we should take after the pod, just because this could take a little longer and we can just conclude from there. Uh, This is Darian Shelton. Shout out, Darian. Appreciate it. Uh, So what's the plan for QB? What's the plan for the future? Okay. And so this was District Divided, a DC sports podcast, more specifically a commander's podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like the video, share the video, subscribe to the channel. It really helps us out. And please comment, of course, because we enjoy reading the comments. We're about to discuss Darian's comment here after the pod. Um, and Happy uh, New Year, everybody. Yeah, See Happy New Year. Year. Seriously. Um, enjoy New Year's Day with some football. Um, enjoy New Year's Eve, the college football stuff, if you're going to end up watching the semifinal. Um, and we will see you guys uh, after this Browns game, hopefully, with some shades on. It's been a while since we've worn those, KDOT. So until yeah. then, take it easy. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to determine. We can't win with Ron Rivera. I'm going to start there. Um, you cannot win with these older coaches. I just don't think unless you are Andy Reid, who is the exception because I think he's a brilliant offensive mind. And I believe that with Mahomes and you shout out Matt Nagy for that one, they can do whatever they want. But if you look at the trends and the way that this is going and what we know about Scott Turner, Uh right, which is that he has one offense and you better pray that the players he gets fits into that as opposed to him going, what do I have? Let me create a game plan for them and play to their strengths. You need to go younger. Uh, when I look at the youngest coaches in the league, Sean McVay is the youngest. I would say bright offensive mind. Uh, you have Kevin O'Connell, who right now, no matter what you think of the Vikings, they're 12 and three. Uh, and Kirk Cousins has been playing well in the fourth quarter. That has been something I never thought was possible. Um, another good offensive mind, Mike McDaniel, who I think you and I both like another good offensive mind, in my opinion. Uh, and, uh, then you got Zach Taylor, who I don't personally give that much credit to, but I mean, Hey, he's been to a super bowl with Joe Burrow. Um, so shout out Joe, <laughs> shout out, you know, Zach Taylor, Brandon Staley. He's going to the playoffs for the first time, uh, with the LA chargers in his second year after the debacle of last season, but he's got, uh, playoff berth now um and Sirianni's 41 yeah you know like all these guys are younger and younger and younger and younger and if I were to list the people that are over the age of let's go 60 we got John Harbaugh with the Ravens I think he's an excellent coach right so that goes against what I'm saying uh we got Ron Rivera also 60 we got Lovey Smith with the Texans 64 Andy Reid 64 Bill Belichick 70 and Pete Carroll 70 okay so some of those guys historically have been brilliant, right? Of course, Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. But now that he's older and now that he doesn't have this QB and you look at the debacle that is their offense, right? People are wondering if Mac Jones is the guy moving forward. I don't know who their offensive coordinator is. It seems to switch every week. Uh, Pete Carroll, I think is, for me, a young guy, young soul. He's crazy as hell. Uh, but, in the NFL. Yeah, he's the oldest man in the NFL, but his energy is awesome. That's just an, that's just an aside. Um but it just it seems like it is trending in this younger direction where you can have an offense that's malleable to the talent. And I just don't see it with Scott. I don't see it with Ron. It seems like there's this old school way of thinking that is completely outdated. If we had a younger guy, I would much prefer a younger offensive mind. Keep Carson Wentz, even if this goes terribly and just get someone in the building that can innovate because I think Carson can be really good. Yeah, I, I think it's that's a lot my less... take on it. What do we do at QB? It could be here in the building. I think it's the coaches that are the problem. Okay. All you right. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I, the, the uh, You said a lot. So just oh, yeah. the, the only pushback I'm going to give is the, the age thing. I think it's a lot more to do a mentality than age. Um, so there, yeah, there's some I, guys. I, I, that, I'm sort of lending myself to saying the older yeah. you get, the mentality tends to harden. The, the, at that the, point. To me, no, I don't, and I don't believe that's true. Like I don't look okay. at Andy Reid and say that he's a hardened head when it comes to that. I don't think at Pete Carroll and say that he's a hardened head when it comes to what it is and needs to happen um, philo- philosophically within the team. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill, what I look at when it comes to the age, when you're looking at like Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll is 70 years old. 
Yeah. Joe Gibbs was 67 in that last year with Washington where he was calling back-to-back timeouts. You could clearly see it was too much on his heart and it was fucking over. Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll are three years older than that. When you hit 70 years old, I'd be worried about taking your driver's license, let alone letting you coach a fucking NFL team. There's that portion of that, right? Uh But as far as beyond that, it's just a matter of Right now, you saw something that happened in the last few years because of the Sean McVay thing and because of the because of Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. You had a large Shanahan's swath of the league. You had a large swath. Yeah, you had it. You had a large swath of league decide we got to go young, which yep. is what the NFL does. They find a trend. They fucking go for it. Yep. But for every Sean McVay that you have, who is a singular brain in the NFL, Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan's a singular entity within the NFL. I don't put Mike, Matt LaFleur on that level. I don't put Kevin O'Connell on that level. Um, as a matter of fact, stuff with Kevin O'Connell, I look at that team as far as that uh, Minnesota Vikings team, and I look at that offense with Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, and Justin Jefferson and say, why the fuck are y'all winning by one score? Like, uh, for every one that you have that's a Mike, that's a Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay, I can show you a Cliff Kingsbury that does not need to be in the NFL. <laughs> Period. Point blank. He's terrible. Okay, one of the worst coaches in the NFL is Mr. Cliff Kingsbury. So my thought process is just, do you have a system that Mm -hmm. works? And does your system does allow you to be more malleable in that way? Right. Like when I look at the best coaching staffs in the NFL, I say Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. I look at San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan and um. Sean McVay, I mean, I want to say that, but L.A. fucking sucks, and it's because they mortgaged their entire future to win that goddamn Super Bowl. So I don't know what has older. to do with what. They're think, older, and they, he's good, they got no draft. I, you, but you look at his overall track record. Yeah, yeah I think really there's a good, good chance he's retiring this year. So He won't. He'll start. <clears throat> I, I don't know about that. I think McVay could actually go get something TV for a couple years and come back and do the Sean Payton thing. Because, look, sure. L.A. ain't getting better. Um. Man, it's just going to get harder and harder in L.A. to win. They have no draft we'll picks, bro. They got we'll no see. draft picks. <laughs> so, we'll see. Yeah. That's not how they build. <laughs> they they continue to just push the credit card bill over and over. And we wonder how. I mean, we've talked about the salary. That's what this year to me, it's come due. It's coming due. They, it's they always can't... this year that it comes due. And then it isn't. But so it now. has. They're not. Where, what's the record right now? But I'm talking about overall. Look at his. Record. No, they were in a super. They won a Super Bowl. And it's, before that, they were in a Super Bowl. So, like, you just see that he clearly knows what the hell he's doing. I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from him. I just said he's okay. Let's just be clear. Yeah, that. you're not taking yeah. anything away from him. But I'm saying, sure that, but I'm saying, point. LA situation is terrible right now, and uh, that's moment, because they yeah, mortgage everything record. to get the Super Bowl. They're not gonna have. They don't have the salary cap situation to even do but much. They'll be, right they'll now. be good next year. They I don't. They still that. have Jalen. They still have Aaron. They still have. Cooper Aaron's, they also, still Aaron's also hurt and looks like he might. He's like the, the rumors around Aaron is that but he's you know, this happens once a team loses enough. They just shut players down. If they have no, any sort of no, injury, no I'm, I'm pushing back on that. There's no team that built a Super Bowl team the way that Los Angeles has in the history of the NFL. Ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever, ever. They did. The, they did the thing that Dan Snyder tried to do, but they had success with it. Mm-hmm. It usually doesn't work. It never works. It worked for them. And I they picked slightly so younger glad. people. <laughs> right. They 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 chose <laughs> Dan. No, it's perfection, right? And when right. they picked up Odell at the right time and what they did as far as the Matt Stafford trade, uh upgrading from Jared Goff, they took shots and they took chances. I also love Baker Mayfield there, and I don't know what they're yeah. gonna do next year. But why do you like it? Why? <clears throat> what? Why do you like Baker Mayfield there? I'm a huge Baker guy. I've always been a Baker. Right, right. But why LA? Oh, I like Baker because I think Sean McVay is there a good go. offensive so, mind. So, yeah, 100%. Right. So we're talking but, so, about but, offensive mind. But what I'm saying yeah. is that Sean McVay and what it is he brings is not youth. It's, I wouldn't like Baker Mayfield here. But what I'm saying it, is Sean just, McVay, yeah. Sean McVay, to me, the, the thing that he brings is not youth. What it is is that his memory, you've seen him, you've seen his memory. Oh, his memory is unbelievable. Yeah. It's a singular guy. Like Kyle Shanahan, I look at in the same sense of like Bill Belichick was young once. <laughs> and he was great when he was young. So, but like, right now, your argument is that okay. You mentioned. My, all right. So, you mentioned. I'm, I'm, hold on one second. You mentioned yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned Cliff Kingsbury. If I were to list you, okay, I will list you the ten youngest coaches, or up until Cliff Kingsbury. Okay. Um, and I would then say, imagine that you put each name, each of those names, inside of a hat, and you draw one, and that's your new head coach. Let's say. Okay. So there's Sean McVay, Kevin O'Connell, 
Mike McDaniel, Zach Taylor, Brandon Staley, Arthur Smith, Kevin Stefanski, Nick Sirianni, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, K- Cliff Kingsbury. That's 11 names I just gave you. Okay, and those are the 11 youngest in the NFL right now. They took Hackett off already? They took Hackett off already. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can even throw in Jerry Rosberg, 67 interim coach over there. Um, I'm, by, by the way, shocked Nathaniel Hackett's that young. He looks old as hell. I'll tell you that right now. That's the number. Yeah. Woohoo. Um, if, you were to just, just, if you were to just hand me a hat and be like, pick a name out and that's your new head coach, I would love those odds. Like I, the, 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 so my entire thing with the age thing was just to push back at what you were saying at the beginning when it came to the age thing. I just, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't love that. What I am saying is that right now, because of what happened with Sean McVay, you got a bunch of young guys that are getting opportunities, but it's not that I think coaching has elevated on some level more than it usually does. There's always guys that are geniuses that are coaches that are kind of around there in the league. And I don't like to necessarily follow trends. I want to find good minded guys and give them opportunities to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm of the idea that the head coach more than anything needs to be a great facilitator of making things happen. Right. And getting mm-hmm. guys bought into what it is. That it, so like <clears throat> you could throw any of those names on that list outside of Kyle Shanahan. I'll take Andy Reid over any one of them. And the reason sure. I take Andy Reid over any one of them is because he's a great facilitator in that yes, way, right? And that's what I look for, is that when I'm looking at Washington right now, I also look at every single one of those names and say that if they got the job in Washington two years ago when Ron Rivera does, it is a shit show clusterfuck. I'm thinking about it. Because Ron Rivera and what he had to bring to the organization was crucial for that time period that we had. Now, mm-hmm. if you tell me that we've reached a plateau with Ron Rivera, I'd be with you. I do yeah. think that there's I, I a think cap. That's where I'm there's at. a ceiling, right? That's right. where I'm at. No QB, unless it's the next <laughs> Mahomes, right? Or of that elite tier is going to be good enough here with the current coaching staff is my overall point. 100%. So like the, the thing that, that I, so it. right. That, that if you were to ask me, what do you do with the quarterback position? Which is what the question in that itself was. Mm-hmm. I look towards Andy Reid and what he does with the quarterback position. Because it always seems to work with him. His <clears throat> mind is brilliant. Yeah. And what does he do? I draft a guy. He sits. I have a bridge guy. I build the rest of my team. And when the team is ready, when the team is good, I trade that veteran quarterback for someone else. I trade that veteran quarterback for other picks for other things, and elevate the next guy. And hello, Sam Howell. Yeah, please continue. Bingo, bango, bongo. Which is what brings me to what's going to happen this fucking offseason. If you're a Washington fan, Derek Carr is no longer going to be a Vegas Raider. He is now sent home. He's oh, been bent for Jared Stidham. Don't do this. Hey, well, it's what it is. <laughs> don't. Mm-mm. I'll listen, but... I Look... What I think Washington fans need to be looking at right now is that we're not going to be high enough in this year's draft to get anybody. And there's nobody in this year's draft that I'm moving up to go get. I'm not doing that. Not this year. Not happening. Um, I, I don't love Bryce Young that much. I don't love. Uh, I, Bryce I, what's the other? Really good. I, I don't love him the same way that I love some other guys. Right. Okay. Um, like CJ Stroud tell- is the other big name. We'll love CJ Stroud, right? Name. I don't we'll, we'll love them. having these draft episodes. We'll we'll talk through these names. But like, right? if you tell me Sam Howell, who was projected to be the first overall quarterback, what two years ago? Yeah, and I put them in the same box as Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I'm like, I mean, I kind of want to kick the tires on this other dude. Like this, hmm. I look at Sam Howell. I'm like, I kind of want to wow. kick the tires on this guy. See where he's at, right? Talent levels there, but kind of unheralded and kind of forgotten about a little bit. But if you give an opportunity to learn to sit there and to progress through the offense, he's got the arm, he's got this and the other. I think what we need to be looking at more than anything else is that I know it's not going to make a lot of people happy. But if Carson Wentz goes on a run, not saying it's possible. I'm saying it's possible. I'm not saying it's likely. This is as soft a landing as one could get. We just talked Brown, about it. There are no excuses for this all coaches staff. That's what, the playoffs that's are I not. Mean. If we didn't got, get the playoffs, I'm ready to clean house, which I know a new owner will probably want to do fucking anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> bad Browns team, potentially backup Cowboys. I don't know what more you want. Right. And then even when you hit the playoffs, these are all teams we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. We and beat they Philly. could go the other way. 
we have at halftime of the San Francisco game, very, very different story. I get it. But then we can Minnesota, play New York again. Minnesota, like we could, I think we could beat Minnesota. I look, if we don't make the playoffs and get a win, a win in the playoffs, mm-hmm. I look at this as a failure. Okay. okay I look so at this as a failure. Divisional round or else I'm looking, failure. We, there's a win or we fail. Now, does that fail on a level of which I'm sacking Ron Rivera? No, because I don't think under no circumstances am I sacking Ron Rivera going in next year. This doesn't happen unless the new ownership wants to do so. Then I'm all for it. Uh, so, but I could see a year. I could see a bridge year with a new ownership group saying, hey, we need to evaluate everybody on the squad. And this is what we have to do. And maybe we're going to maybe the Sam Howell. Thing, and that's the thing. They might force his hand next year and say, we need to see how I'll play, but. We have yeah. to see how it play. No, so like, absolutely. I, so I don't see a lot of scenarios in which Ron Rivera is not back next year. No, that's my thing. I don't see scenarios like that either, unless right. we lose both these games. Then you could actually have that conversation. Um, and Dan's but, not going to pull that trigger. And Dan I don't, may not be the one here right. to do it. Uh, but I understand. I don't know if a new I'm ownership group that, would pull the trigger that quickly. Look, either. The reason I think my take is maybe a touch more controversial is because there is no way that Ron Rivera gets let go. And now we're going to have an entire podcast again with him in charge, knowing full well that I'm like, I don't even think he should be our coach at this point. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. I'm having the take a year early. Okay. Maybe two years yeah. early. And maybe it ends up being a freezing cold take or whatever it's called on Twitter. I just think that the way the league is trending this time, I think, is the correct trend. It's becoming easier to play offense, and you're seeing a lot of offensive minds come in and make some of these quarterbacks a lot better, in my opinion. So I think that it makes sense to go, if one of those guys are available, go for it. Because if Sean Payton said he wanted to coach here. QB is not just the QB itself, himself. It is the offensive coordinator. It is the offensive line. It is the scheme. It is the feel. We we had that pyramid last week, right? Where we talk about offensive line. We talk about scheme. We talk about feel for the game and play calling. And you have the quarterback himself. There are many things that go into it unless they are just elite and can overcome like we were talking about. There are very, very few of those guys. We don't have one of those guys here. So let's get the stuff around him better so that the QB can play well. Yeah, we have those things. We've talked about that when I talked about how I would build a team. We've talked about this like I am of the New England, Kansas City way of building things. That's the way that I think it happens. I don't start rookie quarterbacks. I don't I don't have it in the cars to ever do so. I don't care where I draft them. I don't start rookie quarterbacks. Um, Mm -hmm. (coughs) But it's got to be a younger guy. But to me, it's got to be a younger guy. Bezos gets the team and Sean Payton says he wants in. Are you saying no? And Sean Payton wants in. Sean Payton, sixty years old, about to be sixty years old tomorrow. He's sixty years old. Do you be- say no it's to better Sean than Ron and Vic Fangio because he's coming with him? I would have to think about it, but it's certainly better than Ron. I'm not going to just look at the name and go, "Hell yeah!" I'm it's not. Sean Payton. We know Sean Payton. We know that. who he is. He's definitely an offensive Some line. Time off of coaching. We'll see. I would be inclined to say yes, but I would want to actually think about it because I do. I really do think. Being younger is important at this point. The game, the players, everything around them has changed. It is not what it used to be. Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, you see that these guys sometimes can struggle. Just, I think I'm Bill's telling you, it has, less to, it has less to do with age. So, like, the, the same thing that I said, think it has. When, so, right, so here, there are two guys in, there's two guys in the NFL right now that both, well, one was in the NFL. But uh, so I do the other podcast with James, who's a Raider fan, right? Right. And I told James from the get-go, John Gruden's a terrible hire. Josh McDaniels a terrible hire. Yeah, everyone knew Josh McDaniels was a terrible hire outside of the Raiders organization. How old is Josh McDaniels? 46. But you already had enough information from his Denver stint that he's a fucking moron. It's as simple as that. So that's can't my thing. relate it's, to anybody. So you need to make sure that the guy can relate. But I think you have a higher probability with a younger guy being able to relate to people and also have an offensive scheme. But even when Jeff Fisher was young and coaching for Tennessee, I thought his mentality of the way that he treated players, his mentality of the way that he looked at the game was ass backwards and old. And it's not the way that you need to do it. These these guys like if you ever listen to part of my take, they have the grit guys. Right? I'm, I'm 31. I'm not saying throw me in there. I'm saying that, of course, what typically probability wise comes with age is what we're talking about. OK, those good qualities. 
I'm that's just, what I, I'm saying. I think I'm less inclined to say the head coach needs to be that compared to the coordinators. That's where I'm at. Okay. Okay. Fair. We can we can call that the compromise for the time being. Yeah, I just I, I just want a facilitator at head coach. And actually, I don't like I'm not a huge fan of the head coach wearing both hats. Well, a lot of them are these days. I know I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't love it when they're when they're so focused on one side of the football. But you also want to give a coaching staff a minimum of five years. Remember, that was one of the first things yeah. you had mentioned. Yeah, five years. And so that amount of time doesn't exist anymore in today's culture, today's NFL. It just doesn't seem to happen. Yeah, but even if I'm looking at the five-year thing, I look at the – so take, for instance, who – outside of Joe Gibbs 2.0, what's the best coaching staff we had here in Washington? This is Shanahan's. Now, think about Shanahan's, right? Mm-hmm. When you think about Shanahan's, you think about the disciples of Shanahan. Mm-hmm. If done correctly, Mike Shanahan was the guy at the top of the top of the food chain, right? Right. And he had his office coordinator. He had his defense coordinator. Uh-huh. You look at Kyle Shanahan being the office coordinator. If you give that five years to run, right? If mm-hmm. Kyle gets a job somewhere else, you elevate a position coach who are now NFL fucking head coaches in the league, yep. right? So that's you can build a foundation in a team if built correctly. And you have if guys that correctly. have depth, yeah. right? But I'm saying the head guy just needs to be the perfect facilitator of, hey, as long as I'm getting X from this, from the, from this, uh, from our unit, mm-hmm. you got carte blanche to do what you need to do. Watch. I need you to make sure they're on time. I need to make sure they're disciplined. I need to make sure this, that, and the other. Get the job done, son. That's that's what I like. When it, Kyle Shanahan looks, Kyle Shanahan's almost I, jack shit I, I, to I do. Think, I think you're underestimating these younger coaches. I don't think any of them are like so loosey goosey that they're like, you do what you want. Oh, don't show up on time. It's totally fine. Matt Lafleur. It's an NFL head coach. Kevin O'Connell. Dude. Yeah, of course they're making Lucy sure players Goosey are on motherfucker. time. Of course they're no. making sure players are Lucy on time to meetings. Goosey. Are you kidding no. me? Matt LaFleur okay. is Lucy Goosey. Go talk. Go look at anything that's happening in Green Bay. Dude, they, C- Cliff the Kingsbury. that an NFL head coach is just like. Cliff Kingsbury to had to try to put to. it in a. Cliff Kingsbury had to try to put it. You don't have to if you don't want to. Cliff Kingsbury had to. Wow. Cliff Kingsbury tried to have to put it in a contract that Colin Murray was going to limit his PlayStation time. Yeah, you talked about one guy over and over again, Cliff Kingsbury. We no, agree. I said Matt LaFleur. I said Kevin and O'Connell. And if you look at Cliff's track record, let's go ahead and dive into him. He was not winning at Texas Tech. He wasn't winning anywhere. He kept failing up. It I, made I no said sense two other names. Anybody. It made no sense to anybody that Cliff got that job. I said two other names. Matt LaFleur, who was the winningest coach through the first three seasons in the NFL. And With who was the other Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback who and, runs the fucking else? team. And who else? Kevin O'Connell, who currently has yes. 12 wins. So we're just going <laughs> off of your word there because he currently has 12 wins. No, I'm not. I'm saying that if you're um, we, we were I'm directly telling you as far as guys that run shit, Lucy Goosey. And that's what I'm looking at when it comes to Minnesota. Minnesota has the 12 wins, right? right? Yeah. And they have an offense with the best wide receiver in football, mm-hmm. a running back who went healthy top three, top five at, at, at worst. Not now, sure he is at this point, but it's he's good when healthy. But that's the other thing is like when you're looking at that offense and the volume passing that they're doing, right? Compared to having an overall offense, there's a lot of guys in Minnesota that don't love Kevin O'Connell because they do. While the records where it is, how the many of them love Mike Zimmer? Huh? Same team. It's the same team. I, I mean, it's Mike Zimmer's Vikings, who is your disciplinarian, versus the Lucy Goosey. I Let's never go said this. Jesus Christ. People are just late to meetings. You and stuff love like the that. cherry pick well, shit that I'm saying. You just said it. I never said. What and did I say? Disciplinary example. Right. I Mike said, Zimmer's Luce, a disciplinary. I said younger guys do things more loosey goosey than some of the older guys. And then do. you named Kevin O'Connell. I named Kevin O'Connell and I named and I named uh, and I named Matt LaFleur. Right. Two guys who the way that they run the locker room is uh-huh. not necessarily the way that I would run a locker room. OK, fair enough. And when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings and you look at that, no one thinks the Minnesota Vikings are their record. I think I'm no helping one. you with your cold right now because your voice has gone from nasally to like, I think you're wired right now. I'm you're trying to figure out if you're poking me for the sake of fucking poking me to get a rise I'm out not, of me. Not. I'm not trying to get a rise out of you. I'm just pushing back on some of the things you're saying. That's all. I know, but I just think that your mentality and what it is you think is so trendy. You just want yeah, to do what everyone is. else is doing. And I don't because think that's the way you do anything because the most sustained built fucking teams don't do that. <sighs> they don't fucking do that. Amit. the best organizations don't do that shit. They're not flashing the pants for two years with nothing to fucking show for it. 
The best organizations are run a certain way, and it comes from years and years of building it. Well, that, that way. roots from ownership. If, let's talk. Huh? Let's start. No shit. That, of course, right. it roots from so, ownership, which makes me excited about the future. Of course, if done too. correctly. Why do you think we? What, we call what this I'm one selling, of the greatest days saying, of DC sports history. What I'm saying, Snyder is selling. But what I'm saying is, is that if you want it to work, then look at the organizations that really fucking work. Stop looking at whatever the trend is. Look at the organization that have sustained success and build their operation here. Correct. I'm I'm 100% on board with that. You're not 100% on board yes, with Yes, I me. am. Yes, no, I am. No, you're fucking not. Yes, I am. John Harbaugh. Absolutely. When did the, I say I don't want to run Pittsburgh Steelers. When did I say that? Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Kansas City Chiefs, the New England Patriots. You're smiling. Those are the mold. That's the mold. When did I say that? That's the mold. LA is not the mold. San Francisco is not even the mold yet. They're not the mold. The mold are those four organizations. There are four of them. Four. Name them again. Baltimore Ravens. Kansas City. Baltimore Ravens. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers. New England Patriots. That is how you build a team. Only the Kansas City Chiefs are the ones that are not getting outdated right now. Huh? Only the Kansas City Chiefs out of those teams you mentioned are not getting outdated right now. Lamar Jackson's hurt. Pittsburgh Steelers are and still trying to figure out stuff in the aftermath of the playoffs and can fit it into those tight windows. Yeah. Keep going. Pittsburgh did what every other team does, right? Uh-huh. Ben Roethlisberger went down. After Roethlisberger went down, they've been trying to figure out the quarterback position right now. Do you want to be the Pittsburgh Steelers right now? Right now. Their organization, fuck yes. They're behind. Because guess what? The dude that they thought was going to be the starter I think died. So we're coming from two different places. He died. I think you are too far. You're too slow to react to things, in my opinion. And you no, feel I, I'm too you're, you're a Commanders fan, which is what you guys you are. Feel, fucking loosey goosey. We've got to do I'm this and do that myself. and do this. I'm, I'm saying that you feel the I'm same too thing with the Heineke thing. too quick. And I'm saying I feel Y'all are so slow. reactionary. to find a medium here. No, there is no medium. You guys are too Bro, you just fucking picked three out of your four flinky. franchises are near dog shit. This okay. year, Kansas but City, they have sustained excellent. success. Kansas City, excellent. The rest, I don't know at this point. Oh, God damn it. I'm talking about sustained success that they have. Yeah, yeah they had. They had. So much has changed, KDOT. So because, much has changed. What was New England's record last year? And then they got smoked in the playoffs. Where is that getting them? That's the point. They Are they always in the dance? No, not anymore. That's the point. Not anymore. Yeah, are they going to make it. it this year? Are they going to huh? make it next year? We don't know. They're not what they used to be. That's the truth of it. But you want to follow these teams that have two years of anything happening. That's what you want to do. I'm saying that what you do and what majority of Commanders fans do is mm -hmm. the same bullshit year in, year out. When it comes down to we need five years to really say that we're going to have either success or not success, you guys are ready to give up on everybody after year two because that's what y'all do. You're so fucking emotional off of doing, making decisions based off of emotion instead of using logic and what it is you're doing. That's what this you guys do constantly. And yes, I'm putting you at the head of that. You are now, what you have become is my entire, you have become a microcosm of everything I dislike in this organization fan base. Okay. That's what you are. You're going to be the face of it for me. So yeah. even if you're not saying what it is you say, I'm going to pretend that you're saying what it is you say. You okay. are right now the face of everything I find wrong in this organization. The, the which where your helmet's at, the ones that get so goddamn high and low, when you have somebody like me, who's been right about this fucking team from day one and kept and it fucking you. medium. Nobody and else. kept it fucking medium. Kept it medium. While all you guys are doing... We gotta do that. We gotta do that. We gotta do that. And y'all just fucking can't fucking... Y'all like fucking teenage... White suburban teenagers. Quit talking over me for a second. And let me ask you. So based on... You mentioned, again, the New England Patriots the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? So given what those organizations are and what they represent to you, that sustained excellence and stuff like yes. that, what do we need to do from building a football team standpoint to be able to compete right now? New ownership. Right. And a That's team president. Way. You start there. Of course. We had the off-season series about that. That's and we were it. on the total same page. That's it. That's it. 
that's it. And then after that, right? You what have kind the team of president mm-hmm. figure out the GM situation? You have the GM and the team of president course. figure out the head we coaching situation. About, we have talked about all of you this. You have both of them figure out. You have the head coach figure out the offense coordinator, defense coordinator, coaching staff that he right. wants this to. At that particular point in time, you start a five-year timer. Okay. So, but right now we're talking at the coaching level. Okay. Last bit and then we'll go. But right now we're talking at the coaching level. We do not decide the team president. We do not decide the owner. We would like to, but we can't. Right. Mm-hmm. That is entirely out of our realm. Yeah, we know we're coach. getting a new owner. As so what are you asking? So what I'm asking is what kind of head coach would you like moving forward? I don't know. Okay. I said more than anything, a facilitator. I didn't put an age group. I didn't put an age number. I didn't put anything like that. I said a facilitator. I said a guy who works as a manager more mm-hmm. than anything else. And I don't want coordinators that have ideas. And I'm saying based on the current trend, and this is where we disagree. Right. Fundamentally disagree. I'm saying based on the current trends, I am seeing that this can work and I'm seeing that this can with the current quarterback, Carson Wentz. And I'm talking specifically Wentz here. We can rescue him and make him what you believe he is. Right. Which is this physically gifted guy who is perfect for this air Coriel offense. Maybe you find a guy that also runs it. That is Scott, who has a feel for the game and can help run this offense I, properly. You got to start that over. What are you saying about Carson Wentz? I'm saying, anyway, let's go. We'll pick this up. Another no, 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 no. What, what the hell were you saying about Carson Wentz? Well, because what? I do have to go. Okay. Well, all I was saying is that at one point in one of the after the pods, you said Carson Wentz is perfect for this offense. Did you not? I said he's a better fit for this system. No, no, no. no. We, we can go back. I'll pull it up. Carson Wentz is built for this offense. He's perfect for this offense. Oh, my God. Okay. You yeah, he's, he's got a perfect, perfect arm for this. He's perfect, perfect arm for, for the Air Coriel offense. offense. He's perfect for this offense. That was exactly perfect arm for the Coriel offense. Yes, it wasn't even arm. He is perfect for this offense. Okay. Your words. Okay. All right. Probably so, speaking of hyperbole, but all right, go ahead. Fair enough. Fair. Enough. Okay. So then, perfect arm for this offense. So if you like, you subscribe to this offense. You've also noted that many times, right? I'm a so fan of Air Coriel. Yes, the concept. So if you find a guy that is able to run the scheme and have a feel for the offense, then you install that person. It can. I don't care if it's the head coach. I don't care if it is the coordinator. You just need that guy in the building first and foremost. I think it'll end up coming in the form of a head coach just because of the trend in which the league is going. If you are able to poach one of those guys as your OC, awesome. It seems like those guys that are already doing it become head coaches because they can't just laterally go from OC to OC, right? Maybe it's a QB coach somewhere and you're able to find that person. But... I think the way it's going is that person that I'm describing ends up becoming your head coach and you hope he's a good facilitator as well. Those would be my check boxes. Being able to run an offense that you want, being able to be that facilitator, because I completely agree with you there, KDOT, and being able to relate to these players. I think that's incredibly important these days. That is it. That is my point. I am done. We will see you guys Monday. (laughs) In D.C., we're just hoping that you listen. 